Hello everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories. I'm your friend Joey, here to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. It's 11pm here, I hope you're all feeling well and had a good day. If you didn't, that's okay, we'll get a good night's sleep and hopefully have a better day tomorrow. If this is your first time here, welcome to the Knox family. I hope I'm able to bring you some calm, comfort, and a good night's sleep. From here on out, nothing exists except you, me, this beautiful fireplace, and the bed, couch, or floor you're laying on. First of all, This will be the episode that will get us our 100,000th download, which averages out to the top 3% of all podcasts. So, 97% better than the average podcast. But, we still only have 22 Patreon patrons, and half those earnings come from one person. Because of having so few patrons... The podcast makes almost no money, and with only a few months until Christmas coming up, I may have to go back to filling out online surveys, which I was making more than triple what I'm earning here, working the same hours. So we'll see how the next two weeks go. If things don't improve, I'll probably drop from four regular episodes a month to two maybe and keep patreon at about an episode a week and we have other than that mixed news i do have a good news story tonight and we have a new episode of peter pan and a long episode of glinda of oz chapters 15 and 16 for patrons by the way If you wanted to become a Patreon patron for as little as $2 a month, there are various tiers and rewards, including Patreon-only episodes and books, a shout-out, your name on our webpage, and so on. You can do so at KnoxBedtimeStories.com and clicking the Patreon button or patreon.com forward slash Knox Bedtime Stories. It takes two minutes. Each patron gets us closer to being self-sustaining and getting better equipment. Now for our new story. There is good news for those struggling with PTSD. Most of you know I'm bipolar 1 and have PTSD, so this study affects me. A mental health care company in Canada has been given federal approval to conduct a safety and feasibility study evaluating MDMA-assisted therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. We are thrilled that the Health of Canada has issued its no-objection letter allowing this important study to proceed and, in doing so, potentially advance towards a legal, regulated system of MDMA-assisted therapy 
said Peyton Nyquist, CEO of Numinous. If you don't know what MDMA is, it's ecstasy. We are gratified that our study will provide safety and outcome data to regulators that support the integration of this treatment into mainstream mental health care. This study has advanced through the pre-implementation stages of Numinous Vancouver's clinic and has now received the required federal regulatory approval. Study preparations are now transitioning into the final stages of training staff, importing medication, and obtaining ethical approval to allow the recruitment of participants according to COVID-19 public health protocols. During the study, research, medical, and therapist staff at Numinous will collect data on the safety and effectiveness of MDMA-assisted therapy to inform Health Canada and support making MDMA-assisted therapy available to individuals living with PTSD in Canada. Through the collaboration and study activities, Numinous seeks to create access for patients with no other treatment options and establish the physical humane resource and infrastructure required to scale up access to MDMA-assisted therapy if federal approvals are ultimately in place. It's amazing to me how these drugs that people were going to jail for years for, stuff like MDMA and marijuana, uh, mushrooms, stuff like that, are now showing to have medical benefits, which would have at least limited the amount of jail time people had. It's really sad. But let's get on to our story. Okay, now let's get into bed. Say to yourself, my bedroom is a place of peace and relaxation. When I enter this room and crawl into bed at night, today's thoughts naturally begin to soften. My burden lightens and sleep is coming. Let's get to tonight's story, Peter Pan, chapters 15 and 16, set to sleep-inducing music and this beautiful fireplace. If you're not already laying down, please do so in whatever way is comfortable. And let's begin. Part 2. The Never 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 Land Far away in the Never 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 Land, the lost boys lived in the depths of the forest, on the banks of a lake now covered with ice. The trees were bare without their summer dress, and wolves prowled and howled in the distance, and wild beasts snarled in the undergrowth, and pirates sailed villainously up the lake, and red Indians who were friends of the lost boys lived secretly in their wigwams hidden in the glades of the woods. 
The lost boys who, in their fur coats, looked more like bears than boys, were anxiously awaiting Peter's return. There were six of them, slightly soiled. The eldest then came Toodles and Nibs and Curly, and the twins, who were so much alike that one name did for both of them, so each was called Twin. They lived like moles under the ground, for the fear of the pirates and the wolves. Each one had a special staircase, hollowed in a tree trunk, so that they could easily run down among the roots of the trees into their homes. They were playing about happily, although they were beginning to be a little anxious that Peter was so long away. Slightly was tootling on a whistle and dancing quite merrily with an ostrich for a partner. A queer companion, you will say. When suddenly the gruff voices of the pirates were heard. Nibs, who was very brave, slipped away through the trees to scout. But the other had only just time to scuttle down the stairs in the yellow trees before the big ugly buccaneers came tramping up, hauling their captain who was sitting in a state upon a sledge. You could not imagine a more dreadful looking villain than that man. His name was James Hook, and it suited him. He had the most evil looking black eyes. His face was seamed with lines which seemed to express his wicked thoughts. His hideous chin, all unshaven, was as black as ink and as prickly as a first bush. His hair was long and black, and it hung around his face in greasy curls. He was singing a horrible song about himself keeping time by swinging in the air the gruesome stump of his right arm, on which a double iron-pronged hook was fixed instead of a hand. Hence his name. The man was the most wicked pirate who ever lived. He simply wallowed in wickedness. Even his own crew dreaded him, and they were as bad as could be. So no wonder the lost boys darted like rabbits to their caves. Now, Captain Hook most of all wanted to find Peter Pan. For it was Peter Pan who, a long time before, in an encounter between the pirates and the lost boys, had cut off his right arm and flung it to a passing crocodile. The crocodile had liked the taste of it so much that ever since he had wandered from land to land and from sea to sea, licking his lips for the rest of the captain. The captain had naturally some reason for hating Peter, for he had a dreadful time in eluding the pursuit of the voracious crocodile. But still, the beast dogged his footsteps and followed him on and on and on by land and sea wherever he went. 
The captain only got a start when the crocodile was asleep. And with that, and a swift ship he had managed so far to escape. It was an awful life. Fortunately for Hook, the crocodile had once in an ill-advised moment swallowed an alarm clock, one of those patent 99-year-old clocks warranted to go on anytime, anywhere, and anyhow. Go it did, and it ticked so loudly the captain could always hear it coming, and it was the sound for him to bolt. Hook sat down on one of the enormous forest mushrooms. In the Never 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 Land, mushrooms grow to a gigantic size to deliberate about his mode of revenge. He was in the middle of a torrent of braggings and boastings when he felt his seat getting not only warm, but much too warm, and a little wonder in that for when he furious leapt up, he found that he had really been sitting on a chimney of the underground home which Peter had cleverly disguised. He realized at once that the lost boys must be living in safety down below. Very soon he had a wicked treacherous plan settled. He determined to cook a huge rich cake with beautiful green icing and a poisoned inside. He was sure that the lost boys, who had no mother to look after them, would eat it greedily and die with awful pains inside. Smee, as the captain's wily lieutenant was called, was overjoyed at this plan and chuckled loudly. Shake hands on it, said Hook, but Smee did not want to and begged to be excused. The crocodile, the crocodile. Paul, Smee Paul, said the captain in an awful voice. So Smee had to take the horrid hook in his hand and they both danced round while Hook sang with diabolical grimaces. Yo-ho, yo-ho, when I say Paul, by fear they're overtook. Nought's left upon your bones when you have shaken hands with Hook. Just as he was gloating over his pleasant scheme, a queer sound was heard, like a corn crake coming nearer and nearer through a barley field. Tick-tack, tick-tack, tick-tack. The crocodile, the crocodile, the pirate captain yelled, and in a moment was flying for his life. The pirates had scarcely disappeared in the depths of the forest when the Indians crept silently up in pursuit of them. Tiger Lily, their chieftainess, was at their head, now running swiftly under the trees, now listening with her ear to the ground to know where her enemies had gone. For like Tinkerbell and Wendy, she loved Peter Pan, and his enemies were her enemies. The Redskins slid along following the pirates, 
with steps as quiet as those of a beetle crawling through the grass. They soon passed far out of sight, and then, one by one, the lost boys peeped from their tree trunks and, seeing that all was quiet, came out again to their playground in the woods. The Indians crept silently up, but their safety did not last for long. A fierce barking of wolves was heard, and Nibs, who had gone off by himself, rushed quiet out of breath into the midst of the boys, closely pursued by a pack of lean and hungry wolves with glittering fury eyes. What were the lost boys to do in this terrible plight when their leader was far away? Fortunately, one of them remembered Peter Pan's plan. Whenever he was attacked by a wild beast, Peter used to run at them backwards, jumping along the ground, squinting at them through his legs. The lost boys did this all together, and really, it was so astonishing that the wolves fled with terrified howls to the thickets where they lived. This is a good way of scaring away mad bulls and wild animals, but it is always safer to practice on cows or in the zoo first. Then Nibs told the boys how he had seen the loveliest white bird you could imagine. It was flying this way, he said. It looked so wearied, and as it flew, it moaned, Poor Wendy. Are you sure it was a bird, they asked. Nibs was quite sure, and almost at once, they saw Wendy flying through the trees in her white nightgown. Tinkerbell was by her side, darting at her and telling the boys that Peter wanted her shot, for Tinker was rather a bad little fairy sometimes. She said this because she was jealous of Wendy since Peter and Wendy had kissed each other. Instantly, Tootles seized his bow and arrow and shot at the bird, as he thought, and she fell fainting to the ground. At once, the boy saw that she was no bird but a little girl, and perhaps the very mother whom Peter had promised to bring them. They were very frightened, and soon were sure that they had done a dreadful thing, for Peter came flying down with John and Michael, and immediately inquired about Wendy. She flew this way, haven't you seen her, he asked. Yes, said Tootles, and pointed to her as she lay motionless on the ground. Peter bent over her and took the arrow, and in his anger, would have killed Tootles with it, if Wendy had not stayed him by feebly moving her hand. Then they were all glad, for Wendy was not dead, as they had thought, but only stunned. The arrow had fortunately struck the button which Peter had given her, in mistake for a kiss. Soon, she was quite well again, 
but so faint and tired after her long flight through the air. The boys did not know what to do. They did not like to carry her down into the cave, as it might not be sufficiently respectful, so they planned to build a house over her. Only, they did not know what kind of house to build. Then Wendy sang in her half-sleep the kind of house she wanted. I wish I had a darling house, the littlest ever seen, with funny little red walls and a roof of mossy green. And the boys fetched logs out of the forest and a grate and a rug from the underground cave and built a beautiful home for her out of the wood and tarpaulin and make-believe. They made a chimney out of John's tall hat which he had been Londony enough to bring with him, and they made a splendid knocker out of the sole of one of Toodle's boots. When it was finished, it was built round Wendy as she lay on the ground. Peter knocked solemnly at the door, and Wendy opened it and came out, very pleased and happy. The lost boys knelt before her and begged her to be their mother and tuck them in at night, and tell them stories before they went to bed. She said that she was not quite sure if she could, but she would do her best if only Peter would be the father, and that now, if they liked to come in, she would tell them the story of Cinderella. The boys knelt before her, if they bundled one after the other to listen to the tale, and they were so big and the house was so small that they must have been packed like sardines inside. But a sort of cozy feeling like that was, I expect, just what they wanted, and they were very happy. The evening fell softly down on the forest, and the shadows rose so that everything was dark and still, save for the occasional baying of a wolf. Lights were lit in the little house, and at last, when it was quite night, Peter came out with his sword and walked up and down like a sentry to guard the new little mother he had brought for the lost boys. Part 3 the Mermaid's Lagoon. One fine summer evening, Peter with Wendy and their little family went down to the lagoon where the mermaids lived. The Never 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 Land, as you see, is full of the most strange and interesting creatures. Some of them are dreadful like the pirates, wolves, and the crocodiles. Others like the fairies and the mermaids, altogether beautiful and charming. Wendy and her brothers, who had never seen a real mermaid with a tail, were very much excited, and as luck would have it, just as they arrived at the lagoon, one of them seated on a rock, was combing her long tresses, on which the sunlight gleamed until they shone like a mixture of gold and bronze, for they had a beautiful greenish tinge. 
As she combed her hair, she sang such a wonderful melancholy that the boys longed to catch her. They instantly dashed into the water, but with a piercing cry of mortals, the mermaids dived out of their reach into the lowest depths. But look, here is another little mermaid. Surely we can catch her, said John Napoleon Darling. And he very nearly did. Mermaids, however, are hard to catch. And when caught, are still harder to hold. John succeeded in getting the little sprite in his hands. But wriggling like an eel, she slipped out of his grasp. Breathless with excitement, the whole brand of children clambered onto the rocks, when all at once a cry went up, the pirates. Sure enough, a boat was approaching, and in it were seated the two pirate lieutenants, Smee and Starkey. The boys were already swimming to the shore as fast as they could. When, to his horror, Peter recognized Tiger Lily sitting in the stern, tightly bound with ropes. In a flash, he guessed what was their intention. The wretches meant to leave her, all bound as she was, upon the rock until the tide came up and drowned her. She slipped out of his grasp, determined to save her, Peter thought of a clever trick. Imitating the wicked captain's voice, he called out, cut her bonds and let her go. The effect was marvelous. The astonished buccaneers, fearing to disobey their captain, instantly released Tiger Lily, who leapt into the water and swam toward the boys. The pirates had turned and were rowing back, when they saw Hook swimming toward them and learned from him how they had been duped. Horribly himself, he chased them out of the boat, leaving them to swim back to the ship as best they might, while he himself set about recapturing Tiger Lily. But the pirates won safely out of the way. Peter and his friends went back to the rock to attack the captain who was now single-handed. A fierce fight ensued. Hook used his iron prong to some purpose on poor Peter, while the boys, seizing Hook's boat, rode off with Tiger Lily in it. At last, finding himself outdone, the captain gave up the fight and in all haste swam back to his ship. A fierce fight ensued. Peter left alone on the rock with Wendy, found her so exhausted that she could neither swim nor fly any farther. With difficulty, he managed to help her to a firm footing, but the tide was rising and they were both in great danger. As he watched the water silently creeping nearer, Peter almost despaired, but all at once a large kite came flying slowly over the lagoon. In a second, 
Peter had seized its tail and binding it tightly round Wendy. He sent her sailing away in safety, bravely calling goodbye Wendy until she was out of sight. Then, indeed, as the tide rose steadily, Peter was in great peril. The water reached his feet, and he was beginning to think it would be a tremendous adventure to die, when who should come sailing by but a great seabird on its nest, which had been blown off the cliffs by the rising storms. Hurrah, cried Peter. There's a lovely boat for me. And chasing the bird off, in he stepped, curled himself round, and spreading out his coat to the wind, sailed swiftly and merrily after Wendy. Thank you all for listening, and if you enjoyed Knox Bedtime Stories, please become a Patreon patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can keep Knox Bedtime Stories, helping tens of thousands of people around the world get a good night's sleep, as well as get various rewards such as tears, extra episodes, books, your name on our webpage, and more to come. You can sign up at KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click on the Patreon link or Patreon.com forward slash stories. Become a part of a great community. I wish you all a good night's sleep and a happy peaceful life. May the best of your days be the worst of your tomorrows. Good night.